Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. Now I would like to introduce our, our, our speaker for tonight, Howard S. Uh, my name is Howard. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm I'm a hundred pounder. Hi, I've I've been a active abstinent member of OA since 1987, and um, you know I obviously I said I'm a hundred pounder, so I came from a place of of morbid obesity. I was I was nearly I was about 150 pounds heavier than I am at that time, and. You know, any, anything that starts with morbid should be taken seriously. I, w- I was a person who was, um, was dying from being overweight. I had sleep apnea. I had high blood pressure. I had aches and pains in my body. I was miserable all the time. I, didn't, I hadn't slept for years because of my sleep apnea. I just, uh, you know, would wake up choking at night. And, um, you know, I had a really severe case. Uh, anyway, I... Well, I got treatment for the sleep apnea. This, this was in the 1980s when nobody ever heard of it. And they wanted to sell me this machine, uh, CPAP machine, which I never heard of. And nobody I knew ever heard of it. I thought it was a scam. Um, but I bought it, and, and I wound up sleeping. You know, and it, it was a real blessing. Anyway, the doctor told me that I, in order to treat this malady, I, I could keep using the machine, which... I, I really didn't like that idea. It, just, it, it didn't feel like, you know, I don't know, at 37 years old, you don't really want to be hooked up to a machine. Um, I could uh, have a surgery that would open up my throat, and I, and I didn't like that idea. Or I could lose weight. This, and, he, and he said, I don't know how much weight you have to lose, and I don't know for sure that it'll help. You know, I can't tell you that for sure. Anyway, uh, I thought that was impossible. I absolutely thought that was impossible. So, in order to deal with this problem, I decided that I should stop smoking, which was not even one of the options that he gave me. Um, but it was a breathing problem. And uh, besides, you know, I am an overeater, compulsive overeater, but I had other hobbies uh, also. I, I was I dabbled in. Uh, problem gambling, uh, binge drinking, and smoking all the time. If, I, if my eyes were open, I was smoking. You know, that's, that, that's the way I was going through life. Uh, I did give up cigarettes. It wound up being a... Well, what happened was I got involved in a situation which I should have seen coming at me like a freight train and avoided, but I did not, and it became violent and I wound up being arrested for assault and going to jail and at nearly 400 pounds being strip-searched by the police, taken to jail in three pairs of handcuffs because uh, my arms would not go together behind me. Um, the, uh, you know, I don't imagine strip-searching a 400-pound man was any great joy for the policeman either. Um, but, you know, it's, it's I, I had the experience of a a cavity search, and 
If you don't know what that is, I can tell you it has nothing to do with your dental work. <laughs> anyway, it was in that jail cell. And it was a nice jail. It was Northridge. You know, it wasn't like a really bad jail. Uh, in that jail cell, I, I hit bottom. Absolutely. Um, now, I, I didn't feel threatened by anybody because it was, it was, there was a lot of beds. It was, I think, what they call the drunk tank. Uh, but it was just me and one Mexican boy, and I was, you know, three times his size. So, you know, jail can be a, a problem in that way, but it was not. Um, you know, but I'm laying there, and I said, Howard, what are you doing to yourself? You know, and it was like, like uh, I, I became aware all of a sudden that I was doing it to me. You know, I couldn't blame Mommy. Mommy was dead. Um, I couldn't blame Daddy. I wasn't under his control anymore. I was 37 years old. Um, yeah, I had to take responsibility myself for what I was doing. You know, yeah, I could blame all the things that, that happened to me as a child that were not, not the best way that a child should be raised. But I wasn't a child anymore. And I was, I was making my own life. I, I, I was married. I had two little kids. And I, I, I really didn't have to answer. I was self, self-employed, and I still am. Uh, I didn't have to answer to anybody. I had to take responsibility myself. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was really a good thing, a good feeling to take responsibility for myself, because if I was doing it, it meant that I could stop doing it. You know, nobody was doing it to me. I was doing it to myself. Anyway... You know, just just to back up to uh, to um, to the beginning. You know, uh, I always like to talk about my my entire life. It's so interesting. <laughs> uh, I I was born in um, later part of the first half of the 20th century. Sounds like the big book, doesn't it? Um, in uh, on an island in the east coast of the United States. <laughs> What's funny about that? Uh, the island was named Coney. Yeah. Um, I was born in a hotel, in a Half Moon Hotel, which has sort of a nefarious history. Of, and there's even been movies made about what happened there. You know, it involved the police and a gangster being thrown out the window and all kind of places. It had a nefar- nefarious history. It's sort of fa- a local landmark in New York. Anyway, I... Uh, you know, the reason I mentioned where, where I was born is it's, uh, it was almost like a torture every year at my birthday. Because, you know, torture is a strong word. Uh, I'll take that back. But uh, my father would say, oh, yeah, I remember. It was a rainy, miserable night. And I had to go down to that lousy hotel. Now, what, what I took away from that, it was to me quite obvious that I was a problem for him and for the world before I was even born. You know, I was not welcome, and I just, the world would have been a better place had I not been in it, was the message. And, um, you know, this is the way I grew up feeling. You know, it was the 1950s uh, when, when I was very young, and you weren't considered a good parent in the 1950s unless you beat your children, and my parents in that way were good parents. There's no, no question about that. So, I grew up to be a mess. At 37 years old, I was a complete mess. I, 
I read, I guess it was the year before, 86, it was around the holiday time, that I read about uh, Overeaters Anonymous in the Los Angeles Times. Now, I really hadn't heard of Overeaters Anonymous. Maybe I did, but I didn't pay any attention. Um, but I had been one time to a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. So I knew what 12-step meetings were like. I knew what the 12 steps were, and I didn't like them. I liked the meeting, but I didn't like the steps. Um, you know, I, I, knew, I knew about 12, the 12 steps. Uh, the Gamblers Anonymous meeting was very nice. They, uh, I, called, I had the secret phone number, which I thought was a secret. <laughs> and I called them up, and they sent someone over to pick me up. His name was David. Uh, he drove me to the meeting. Uh, first, he took me out to eat. I guess people coming into GA maybe haven't had anything to eat. You know, it's, it's probably a custom there. Um, he drove me to the meeting. They had the meeting. Uh, it, was, it was people would get up. One guy got up and told his story like like I am now, and then a bunch of people got up and told their their little stories. You know, their, their little pitches. And to me, it was like it was like theater. You know, it was great. It was like little vignettes, one after the next. And, and, and I really liked it. They gave me donuts at the meeting, and after the meeting, they took me out to eat again. You know, it, it, was, it was a nice evening for a compulsive <laughs> I, uh So, like I said, I knew what the, the steps were about. I went to the meeting, the uh, OA meeting. Again, it was in Northridge, where I lived at that time. Um, and I went to find out if they still had the 12 steps, if maybe they cut them down to eight or nine, <laughs> maybe they changed them, made them easier, you know. But <laughs> sad to say, they did not. So I figured, well, I'm going to see what happens. So I, I stayed for the meeting, and I felt really comfortable at that meeting. I felt like I felt like I was wanted there, you know. And it's not a feeling I was used to. Um, I, I, you know, I felt like they wanted me there, and they they hugged me, you know, and. Uh, it was great. I heard about abstinence, and uh, somebody said that abstinence is uh, three meals a day, nothing in between. I, at that time, I grasped that idea because I could see the obvious loophole. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it, it was clear to me. So I, uh, I became abstinent, eating three times a day, which is easy. Eating three times a day is easy. It's the stopping three times a day that's difficult. But I, you know, I, I really, really had large three meals a day. I, you know, it's, I like to say it was, it was on one dish. Some days it was a satellite dish. But, <laughs> but it, 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 was, it was three distinct meals, you know, and they had names. They were called breakfast, they were called lunch, and they were called dinner. And... When you're really, really obese and you, and you start that, you, you lose weight. I lost weight. Also, I started exercising because uh, somehow I knew there was a connection. And I really didn't want to be morbidly obese. But again, I didn't like the steps. I didn't even like the people who liked them. <laughs> I, I remained abstinent and I went completely crazy. Complete, you know, 
Abstinence without a program is, is not pretty sometimes. Um, do you guys pass pictures around at this meeting? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, what did I do with them? Damn. I had them. Did you leave them over there? Where? In your back pocket? No. no. There was a green folder. Oh, okay. I lose everything. I'm 60 years old. What can I tell you? Anyway, some of those pictures are from the uh, 1980s and some of them are from the 1990s. And you won't have any trouble telling which are which. Um, I... Uh, like I said, I went completely crazy. You know, crazy but not stupid. I didn't strike out at anybody again. That, that's an experience I didn't wish to repeat. But, um, you know, I started, I started getting rashes. Uh, my arms and, uh, you know, sh- shaking, almost like alcoholic tremors, you know. It was, you know, just nerves, just plain nerves. I was going to the doctor for, for my sleep apnea, and I told him that I'm... Uh, you know, and I'm having this problem. And he says, is there anything bothering you? And I said, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to tell him. I didn't want to. I didn't, it's none of his business. Um, he gave me some blood tests, and he says, there's really nothing wrong with you. It's not, a, not caused by anything physical. He doesn't know. He, you know, he doesn't know what the problem is. But I knew what the problem was. Anyway, I kept going to that one meeting, Thursday night meeting, which doesn't exist anymore. All, all the meetings seem to, you know, grow, grow large and, and, and taper off and, and sometimes die. And it, that, that to me is a sad thing. But, um, oh yeah, I was going to the meeting uh, and I started paying attention when they read the 12 steps. And I said, you know what? I'm going to prove they don't work. And then I don't have to worry about them. So I asked someone to be my sponsor which was a really humbling experience for me. At first, I didn't understand what that was because at that time, they just wanted you to give a dollar or two dollars, whatever, and I said, I don't need a sponsor. I have, I have two dollars. But, uh, you know, I asked someone to be my sponsor, and I went. he told me I should come to his house every week, and we read things, and we prayed, and he gave me things to write, and it's a long time ago, and I don't remember much. I remember it was very painful. And it, um, it, it was a process that I went through, and uh, the, results, the, the results are there. You know, I just, I'm not morbidly obese. I'm not insane entirely. Uh, I, uh, you know, I just, I, I can put it this way. At the end of the meeting, we all get up and we pray, and we say, it works if you work it. And, and that's the truth. It doesn't work if you like it or if you talk about it. or You know, if you work it, it works. And, and it, apparently it did for me because I, I'm not the person I was. I don't want to be the person I was. I, I you know, I, I trust God that I don't have to become the person I was again. Um, you, know, I, uh, you know, I believe that the crap that was given to me by my parents, they didn't invent they came from their parents. And, well, I knew my grandparents, and they were, they were grandparents, so they weren't, they weren't hard on me. But uh, I, 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 could, I could see clearly, uh, especially on my father's side, that, uh, that my grandfather was pretty, pretty hard to live with. I, mean, I didn't have to live with him, though. But, um, you know, and I didn't know any of my ancestors past that. They never left Europe. 
but I suspect that it goes back generation to generation. And, you know, the really best thing about my exposure to the 12 steps is the sack of crap that was given to me. I didn't, I didn't send on a trip in the next generation, apparently. Uh, you know, I have two daughters. They're now in, well into their 20s. Uh, one's almost finished with her 20s. Uh, you know, they were very little when I started the program 23 years ago. And they, they grew up without being addicted to anything. Uh, they have no addictions. You know, I, I, my older girl especially, who has recently joined the Air Force, and right now she's in Monterey. She was in Texas for basic training, and we went for her graduation. It was really nice. And now she's in Monterey, California here, uh, learning Russian. And she says after she learns Russian, she, she's a fearful, fearful, a little bit of a fearful girl. After she learns Russian, she wants to go to bomb, dis bomb disposal school. Uh, that, that, that's her next step, she, she thinks, you know. So, uh, you know, I, it's nice. And, and my, my younger daughter's doing well as well. As well. You know, um, it's, uh, that, that's really the best thing. Anyway, um, one, one thing I like to talk about always is, is toxic relationships, which I had many. Um, you know, I could, I could name maybe four, four toxic relationships that if I would have stayed in those relationships, I'm not talking about uh, man-woman relationships. I'm talking about, uh, you know, just friendships and, and things like that. Um, I, w I would have not been able to, to maintain abstinence or, or have the level of recovery that I have. Um, you know, some of these relationships were difficult to leave because two of them were immediate family members. My uh, my father and my older sister. I had to cut contact with them. This is why I had to do. I had a therapist and he told me that this is what I had to do. And the other was somebody I went to school with and the the, the fourth, I guess there's four at that time. There's been more since then that I, people that I've had to cut contact with. Um, but the fourth was somebody I did business with. And my therapist told me that if I, um, if I go see my father, if I have communication with him, the same stuff is going to start immediately. It'll be subtle, but it's going to start immediately. And I said, okay, I'm not going to go see him then. You know, I, I don't need that. Um, however, I got a call from one of my uncles that my father was close to death. And... Um, you know, his death was not a, not well. Let's put it this way: at his funeral, they had eight pallbearers instead of six, and I was one of them. And we had to set the casket down twice because it was too heavy. You know, that's uh, that that that's uh, that 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 was quite a, quite an eye-opening experience. Anyway, when I went to see him, I had just done the New York Marathon. Um, I, I did a lot of athletic things in recovery, you know, and, and I'm very pleased that I did those things. But I, you know, he knew that I'd done it. You know, we're, we're a large family, and people talk. Uh, you know, we have the West Coast part of the dysfunctional family and the East Coast part of the dysfunctional family. You know, so he asked me, he said, I heard you ran the New York Marathon. And I finished about in the middle. I had as many people ahead of me 
was behind me, which was just fine as far as I was concerned. And he said, uh, I heard you ran the New York Marathon. I said, yes, I did. And the next words out of his mouth were, did you win? <laughs> and my thought was, you know, uh, you have no power here. I'm going to drop a house on you, you know, from the Wizard of Oz. You know, that's what came into my mind. And uh, I said, no, I didn't win, you know, and, and just let it go. Just rolled off my back because I was prepared. You know, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't hurt me anymore. Now, these four relationships are easy now not to be in because three of the people are dead. You know, I, I can talk also about the fact that I'm married now for over 30 years, you know, to, um, and that's, that's something, that's another gift of the program. Now, the marriage, it, it's, it's a mixed marriage. It um, has a troubled history, but it, it's good today, and it exists. I say it's a mixed marriage because it, it's a terrible combination. That she's a woman and I'm a man. You know, it's, uh, it's very difficult to deal with. Uh, I'm sure most of you know. Um, but the marriage exists, and, and it's good today. It wasn't always good, but today it's good. You know, I'm, I'm just going to speak a few more minutes because I'm starting to bore myself. Uh, and if I'm not entertained, it's no good, you know. Um, I, I have a fantasy that, um, that I want to share with you guys and see if any, anybody else has this fantasy. I, I fantasize that when I wake up in the morning, there's a massive amount of binge food in my driveway waiting for me and it follows me around all day comes home with me at night and stays there again anyone have that fantasy or am I the only one I, I, I can accept the fact I'm the only one because it's actually not a fantasy it's true I, I have a vending machine business that, you know, and, and I have a massive amount of binge food in my driveway waiting for me follows me around all day and comes home with me at night now, I suppose it's a testament to the program that I'm able to sell this, this stuff. And, and for most people, it's not bad stuff. I mean, it's not like it's poison. Um, although, I, you know, I tell my daughters to be very careful with refined white sugar, refined white flour, and refined white milk. You know, that's... <laughs> But I'm able, I'm able to, to sell this stuff and be like a good drug seller. You know, I just do not get high on my own supply. You know, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you guys look so miserable when I came in. I'm glad to see that you're laughing. It makes me happy. Um, you know, I, I really don't have much more to say except... Uh, the 12 steps do work. You don't even have to like them for them to work. You don't even have to believe that they'll work. You know, it's, uh, if, if you uh, find someone who, who ha has the, you know, the correct message and you listen and you follow instruction, you get results. Anyway, my name is Howard, and um, thank you for listening. Now, I asked Walter when he asked me to speak here if I get paid per question, so uh, I'm not sure how that is, but does anyone have any questions that I hope I can answer? God, I hope I can answer them.
Yes. Hi, uh, thank you, Howard. That was really wonderful. How did you get abstinent when you said you were eating the first three really huge meals? I just did. I, I just did. But like I said, just, uh, you know, I just did it. That's when I, I went crazy behind it, though. You know, because I had no program. I just had this idea, and, and I went complete. I was stark raving abstinent, you know, you, you might say. But, um, you know, it was a start. It was a start, and it uh, it led led me to you know finding the the right answer. Yes. Thank you, Howard. What is your relationship with your higher power? Ah, uh, can you repeat the question? What is my relationship with my higher power? Well, I can tell you this. I'm glad you asked me that. I, at the meetings, a lot of meetings, in fact, the first meeting I went to, which I began to think I was the owner of, you know, this Northridge meeting, everybody stood in a circle, and they, they always said the Lord's Prayer at that meeting, which I, I get a lot of comfort from that, and I don't know why, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, but I like that prayer. Um, in fact, what I thought briefly they were saying is, Our Father, who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. Yeah. That, that, that's what I thought was being said. But I've come to find out that's not true. You know, I, that I am Howard and God is our Father in heaven. And, uh, you know, if I, if I get nervous or upset or angry, I, I ask God to, to remove the feeling. You know, and, and, and He helps me. You know, He, he does, does that for me. You know, I try to follow the Ten Commandments, as many of them as I can. I try, I try to live a good life, not abuse myself or anybody else, and, you know, just follow the, you know, what they call the Judeo-Christian values. You know, just to, uh, to, to try to please God by being a good person, as good as I can be. Okay, is that a, is that a good answer? You happy? I'm happy too. Yes. Hi, thank you so much for your share. Um, Letting go of the pain of your childhood and the four people that you took out of your life. How difficult was that? How did you go about doing it? And when did that come to you to really have the ability to start to let it go? How did I get rid of my four four main toxic relationships? I'm I'm paraphrasing. And uh, how difficult was that? It was extremely difficult. It was, you know... It had gotten really bad with my father because I believe he was trying to sabotage me. You know, and it had gotten really intense. And I just, as difficult as it was, my wife helped me, you know, told me this is what I had to do. And she was, she counseled me also, to be honest. Um, you know, that this was absolutely necessary or I was going to go back to the person that I was and these four people, that's what they wanted. You know, three of them were morbidly obese. And uh, the other one was just insane. You know, they, they really didn't like my crawling out of, of the hellhole that I was living. And they were trying to drag me back down. And, and, you know, I could see that. And I knew that's the way it had to be. Even if it was, Sometimes you have to do difficult things. And this is what I was able to do. And uh, I'm very glad that I did. Thank you for the question. Yeah, no, thank you. Can you tell us a little about your experience with um, 
step with the with the fourth step and giving it away and then having the character defects removed, how that was for Well, I again I had a sponsor at that time. I've lost contact with him. But um he he had a bunch of papers and forms and things to write about and you know, it's it's kind of sketchy in my mind to be honest, but I remember it was very painful, the things I had to write. I think they came from um, from Bill B., these, this method or whatever, uh, who, who has passed away also. And um, it's just, you know, I, I pretty much did what I was told. I made amends as best I could. Yeah, I, everything, I, did, I didn't try to do anything perfectly. But apparently, you know, as a businessman in the real world, what is the important thing is results. It doesn't matter how hard you try or um, how good you think you did it. You know, what matters is results. So I suppose that what I did was enough. You know, just, um, and like I say, a lot of it I don't even remember. But I do remember having a spiritual experience, which, uh, you know, in the steps, that's, that's the, uh, the one thing you get having had a spiritual experience as the result. And my spiritual experience was that uh, I was not that big a deal. I was, I was not the Father in Heaven. I was, I was just in the world among people, my brothers and sisters, I, w- I was like a pebble on the beach. And um, it was a really good, good feeling because not being a big deal meant I didn't have to do big deal things. I just, I had to do, I had to strive to be mediocre, you know, and that was good enough. You know, in some areas maybe I do a little better and, and some not so well, but I'm the best person I can be. And that's, and thank you for the question. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, I preface this by saying that uh, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn also. Oh, are you? And um, as opposed to you coming from Coney Island and living there, I, I went there as a you know, just as like a tourist. But Coney Island is really huge and important. But, um, and my question is, being around, it took me many years to know that it was a certain kind of community. I say that with a whole bunch of respect because I didn't know. Um, with all the different kinds of food around me every day as you were growing up, how did, how did you just decide to say, okay, I'm and I have a problem other than, was it because, because there's a lot of food around Coney Island where you live at. Well, you know, I, got a, I got a real simple answer for that. <laughs> After I finished kindergarten, we moved to California. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was adopted California. Oh, okay. That was, I, I didn't grow up in Coney Island. Oh, okay. I grew up in Burbank, which was, uh, <laughs> you know, talk about a, a culture shock from Brooklyn to Burbank in the 1950s. So, so I have nothing. Was it because you were that old way and you just said, I have to stop, or because it was your illness? It was, as a child, it just made me feel good. I wanted to feel good. And I really didn't make the connection uh, between how much I was eating and how large I was. I really didn't think about that. You know, I just, food made me feel good. You know, I, I was raised in a, a Jewish household, and uh, it's, you know, guilt and shame and all you can eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's just the way it was. 
Yes, Walter. Uh, Howard, how would you sponsor someone? Some guy comes up and says, I want you to be my sponsor. What sort of action do you get them into? You know something? I, that's, that's an area that I'm not good at. You know, I'm, I'm not good at I do service and program. I, I've been secretary of meetings. I, I get speakers. I put chairs out. I pick them up. I, I do a lot of things. But, you know, I have people I communicate with. You know, that we talk some every day. And um, sometimes I have the right answer for them. But I, I'm not an effective sponsor. You know, just it's not, not what I do. It's just, you know, we all have our purpose. And... Uh, that, that's not mine. Sometimes, you know, someone asks me something and I have the right answer for them, but it's partially that I don't want to know anybody's secrets. You know, I, I really don't. You know, just may, maybe it's it's not right what I'm saying, but it's the truth. And I, I wish you hadn't have asked me that. <laughs> Um, when you're struggling, when the uh, when you have the are struggling with the food, what do you do to sort of um, like work your program? I guess like what when you struggle. Well, I, like I said earlier that if I if I have a feeling that I mean we eat over feelings, and it's not ecstasy that we eat over. You know, it's bad feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and when I feel bad, you know, I might write about it um, and, you know, try to get to the bottom of it. And But basically, I just ask God, please remove the feeling. You know, please take it away. And, and most most of the time he does. Sometimes I can feel it leaving, you know, just like, just going away. You know, and uh, that's, that's the best answer I have for you. Yes. Howard, thank you so much for your brutal honesty um, and, and being so vulnerable. How did you, it seems to me that you went through a lot of uh, self-hatred growing up as a kid, the abuse that you suffered from your perpetrators, and um, how did you kind of turn that around and go to self-love? Twelve steps of, twelve steps of AA, you could say. You know, just, uh, and, uh, and going to, to, program and I'm feeling accepted feeling that I'm that I'm okay you know it's just it's not a feeling I ever had you know I just uh, I never got that in school you know I never got it at home I I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up and pretty much it was the, the bad the bad kids that I that I hung out with I wasn't one of them but but I hung out with them <laughs> in fact to this day I um, you know, I told you I have a vending machine business. About a third, or maybe a little more, of my accounts are, are drug rehab places for people coming out of the penitentiary. And I get along great with those guys. <laughs> you know, um, in fact, you know, this is, this is uh, kind of funny. They, one of the guys that works in one of the places, they have an electric gate. You drive up and you toot the horn or whatever, and they open the gate and you can drive in. It's not a big security thing. The gate's about three feet high. Um, but uh, he told me when, when they see me, I'm finished? Okay, let me just finish briefly. Uh, they go up to the desk there and say, open the motherfucking gate, he's here. 